0: if you're able to get people to buy your stuff out of love, I think you're either a genius or (laughs) that number is very low that
1: maybe it's not a business. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bytes, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today, I'm talking to Kevon Chung, who is the person to speak to if you're wanting to learn about building in public. After not getting the fulfillment he desired from the VC-funded startup dream, Kevon struck out on his own in 2020 to become an indie hacker. Since then, he's written the definitive guide to building in public, launched a building public mastery course, and even wrote a book called Find Joy in Chaos. In this episode, we talk about the myths surrounding building in public, how to do it effectively, even if you feel like you don't have anything to share and why Kevon decided on a creator business and not a SaaS. Now, if you're a solo founder like me, trying to build in public, having a support network around you is vital. I do love my Twitter friends, but being part of a tight-knit community really helps me stay focused on getting this podcast out, which is why I'm again thankful that Ramen Club is sponsoring bites Ramen Club is a community of indie hackers and entrepreneurs designed to help you get to ramen profitability. We have four remote co-working sessions every week, masterminds, accountability calls, live AMAs, a fractional CFO, in-house VA, discounts, and so much more. So if you want to join me and my boots trapper friends head to ramenclub.so and use code indybytes to let the founder charlie know i sent you link is also in the show notes let's get into it kevin welcome to the podcast
0: hey thank you james i've heard of your show since
1: probably day one so i'm really excited to be here well kevin i'm excited to get into it and learn a little bit more about booting in public I want to start off with when you first started to become an indie hacker, you had this six months of what you call building credibility. And in your book, you've got this great exchange with your wife where she said, Kevon, that's great that you've been building your Twitter audience, but when are you going to start charging and making some money? Do you think more indie hackers should be asking the same question to themselves that your wife did? When are you going to start charging people? Or do you think that six months of building that credibility is super important?
0: I think it depends on your approach. (laughs) So it's definitely important to start charging because like when we talk about entrepreneurship, I think about you're creating value and you get something in exchange. So if you don't get that exchange, this is not entrepreneurship. This is more like charity and this is not going to sustain. So I, I like to think that it is different kind of approach and it depends how you do it. For example, I started with a startup background and I had some savings and I had a bunch of failures starting different things before. So this time around, because I knew on the online world, credibility is everything. So I'm willing to bet six months in order to just explore a new niche, figure out the online business model and build up my own name. But I assume like if people don't have the failures before or don't have a runway, then they should be asking this question early on, perhaps
1: like doing some services just to get things kicked off. And your your first thing you launched was your definitive guide to building in public. What made you go down this building in public route? What attracted you to this? And in November, 2020, did you know that you were gonna go down the building public route? Were you just sort of looking out for different ideas? No, James, basically, you know, when I first started out, I
0: didn't know what I wanted to talk about or focus on I still remember I was writing individual blog posts at first so eight weeks eight blog posts and I put it out there and I got like 30 to 40 people to read it each time and I was mm-hmm. like ah oh, no this is not gonna build my name 30 to 40 people each time so I actually did some research on like buzzword and I got like SaaS, no code building public and guess what building public had zero to ten search volume in the u.s each month so basically google is telling me hey don't focus on this no one cares <laughs> about building public but but i see a different thing happening on twitter like the movement is starting and more and more people are getting in and james you know the key thing that got me into this is when i look at this concept building in public it is like calling my name like because i stand for honesty helpfulness I'm willing to be transparent. So when I think about this topic, I'm like, I can talk about it for 10 years
1: or 20 years. So I'm set on that. Let me be the person who will teach people how to do it. And was it a case of writing this guide? And also, how did you learn all the stuff to write this guide? It, I've read it. It's fantastic. It's super in-depth. How did I
0: learn the topic when I had zero knowledge? Basically, when I decided I want to write it, the first thing I did is not to write. I went on indiehackers.com and they have a group called Building Public. And I read every single post in there and I take notes on what people are asking and what people are saying. And not just that, because I have read so much, I started hopping into the new post to help people out by referencing what I learned from other people. So after a few weeks, I know enough so that I kind of just structure on information into this nine chapter guide so to all the people out there who thinks i don't have a niche i don't have knowledge on a topic well you can learn
1: i like this approach that sort of anyone can learn any topic they just gotta go deep into it now a lot of indie hackers as i mentioned earlier would have thought about building in public But would have seen people do it some are probably doing it very successfully at the moment but what does it mean how do you do it I just thought building in public is sharing MRR screenshots on Twitter.
0: Yeah, so first impression, right? Sharing revenue, sharing numbers, everyone is happy and get all the attention. That's first impression for sure. Second impression is usually, hey, James, you should share your ups and downs and Mm. just be transparent. And that sounds really easy, right? And in fact, my first course, I was basically just telling people to do that (laughs) and prompting them to write something authentic from their life. It sounds easy, but then as I teach more people and drill down, actually building in public is not just sharing ups and downs of the journey. I actually think building in public is hitting four birds with one stone. And perhaps to make it easier to understand, I can use my Twitter book, Find Joy in Chaos, to explain this. The four birds is basically like you get really good feedback from people if you are able to involve people. So what I did with the book is that I put out the table of content and I scheduled 10 interviews and ask people to critique my table of content. And that leads us to point number two, which is you basically guarantee yourself success when you're building public because these people who help you in the early days, they would buy your product. They would help you spread the word because they already get value from it. And then the third and the fourth point is like, you basically build a lot of trust and early adopters around your product. And then as you go out and launch it, you get all these people helping you to shout it, to share it. And that is unbelievable because we live in a world where people trust people. So if other people are saying this is good, it probably is good. So it has a lot
1: going on behind just these three words. Kevin, I wonder if this leads to any false positives when you've got a group of people that are supporting you as a creator and they're willing to buy almost everything you do. I've got a lovely group of friends and Twitter followers who are really supportive of things I do. They buy my products. But yeah, does that not lead to maybe a few false positives where people are buying stuff that is not actually very much a viable business or product
0: i get what you mean i think this is where you as an entrepreneur need to judge like Mm. if you're able to get people to buy your stuff out of love i think you're either a genius or (laughs) that number is very low that maybe it's not a business but at the end of the day you have to watch like are people getting value from you are they learning are they making progress if you sense that they're not then no, please don't please don't keep doing this. So actually James, you raise a good point in the early days. People actually say, "Kavan, I want to support you. 5 bucks a month, let me let me pay." Yeah. And I was so reluctant because I feel like no, no, don't do that. Like you're going to mess up my thought process in building this business. But I get it now. Like people want to support and that's part of the journey too.
1: Now, many people listening will be uh I don't know Four or 500 follower stage. They want to grow it. They don't know where to start. I think if they're just sharing, starting building in public, they've not got much of an audience that will start to engage with them. Those people that are at quite a small audience size, where do they start? I think it all comes down to sharing to the person who is
0: right behind you. Like a lot of people, when they come to me, they're like, Kavon, I just don't have anything meaningful to say. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, well, if you're looking at someone like Arvind Khan mm-hmm. or even Kavon or James, of course, you don't feel like you have meaningful things to say, but don't look at these guys. Look at people who are right behind you, maybe just starting out. And there are a bunch of them. You're just not paying attention to them. For example, in my book, I talk about how people always follow the influencer, right? The 30K followers, 50K, but they're not paying attention to the people with like five followers and 15 followers. That's wrong. Like I would put all my energy onto these beginners because then I can know for sure I can help them. So basically just share your lesson learns, share your struggles. But more importantly, I think they should have a project to share because when there's a project with like a start and end date, people just get more attached
1: to it because they mm-hmm. want to see you finish it. Let's move on from building the public and talk about you, Kevon, making a living as a creator. Now you've gone down this route of making info products, courses, books, newsletters, and making money through that <coughs> versus a lot of indie hackers I speak to who choose the SaaS route. Why did you go down this info product route or creator route as opposed to a SaaS product? That's a really good question. I think this is the first time I heard
0: this question so far. Uh, The fact is I started my career as a software engineer and then my last startup was also a SaaS. So why did I not focus on the SaaS? Mm. It's because, well, I don't code anymore. So I'm more on content community side, even for the last startup. And when I decided to go on my own path, I think to myself, hey, if I need a partner, this stuff is going to take even longer to get off the ground. So I should really look for a path that I can do it myself. And if I compare creators creating info products, which I'm already doing, versus a SaaS, which I need a technical co-founder, creator makes more sense to me.
1: Yeah, well, you're keeping yourself busy with the info products at the moment. And I'm wondering where you did the guide, I think that's a great place to start because it was let me learn all the knowledge, put it down into writing, and then you got a base to build on the other products, of the book. The course specifically, how did you make the course different from the guide? Because the guide is pretty definitive as it is named. What additional stuff did you add to the course to make it have value in itself over the guide? Hey James, I just wanna say your questions are brilliant. Like I never get asked this
0: kind of question. Okay, first of all, it is two different mindset a public guide like the one i have nine chapter ten thousand words that is coming from a content creator so i basically tell you the why and the what and i show you a bit of how but there's no exercise to unblock that for you Mm. but as an educator running a course i know a lot of course out there are just presentation and lectures i don't do that I actually design a lot of fun and sometimes irrelevant exercise just to help you, you know, be a bit more vulnerable online, just to help you dig into your day to day
1: to get that story so that you can share with people. And these info products are inherently single purchase, not recurring, and SaaS products are recurring. Much easier to predict revenue when you've got a graph that is going up and you mitigate against churn. Was when you've got info products, book, course, it's very much harder to predict your revenue because you've got to make these one-time sales. How are you mitigating against that? If one has been a creator long enough,
0: one <laughs> would understand that if you want sales, you have to actively talk about something. Like this month, if you talk about your course, you will sell your course. Next month, you talk about your book, your course won't sell, and then you sell your books. So it is... Honestly, very hectic. But I think that's the path, that's the life that we choose. And it is very unpredictable, but all we can assume is that you basically need to launch something every Mm -hmm. single month. And I'm not saying you need to launch new products. For example, you can launch a new cohort of your
1: course, or you can launch a new version of your book and I, I, in some ways that's not too dissimilar to shipping features in a SaaS product you're constantly having to do more stuff to keep the product valuable for current users to avoid churn and to do marketing stuff to attract new users so i think that's kind of similar in that way except
0: you have to attract new customer for your info products <laughs>
1: that's true <laughs> All right, Kevin, I finished every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast and an Indie Hacker you're inspired by or follow.
0: Yeah, for book, I would definitely recommend Life is What You Make It. Find Your Own Path to Fulfillment is by Peter Buffett. The other book that really helped me, I think I read it last year or yeah, end of last year is the 100 million offer. In terms of podcasts, I'm actually not a big podcast person because I don't commute anymore. But if I need to just get some inspiration, I actually listen to Steph Taylor's Show Show Lit. And the other one is Arvid Khan's Bootstrap Founder because yeah. we talk a lot about the similar topics. So it's good. And then in terms of indie hackers, I do have three. Yeah. The first one is Monica Lent. The other one is Jay Clouds. And then the last one is Mariton, who is running Llama Life. Just really enjoy people who don't talk about business all the time. Show a bit of personality, the dog, the workspace, something she believed in. Not a lot, but like just a little bit. And I feel like I'm so close to her journey. So I love it so much.
1: Kevin, great recommendations. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Indie Bytes. Thank you, James. Your tough questions make me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of IndieBytes. Links for everything discussed will be in the show notes as always. So if you want to join me and others in the friendiest bootstrapper community, try out Ramen Club. And if you want your podcast edited like Indie Bites, head to podpanda.co. See you next week.